Welcome to Just Curious Media. This is That's a Crime. I'm Jason Connell. And I'm Sal Rodriguez. All right, Sal, we are back for another episode, episode number five of our somewhat still newer show. And I'm really excited about today's episode. I'm excited about it too. This is a fun and funny episode. I mean, when I say funny, I mean, I have a lot of opinions and thoughts on a case like this. So I'm anxious to get into it. Yes, we are covering a very recent case. It might be a shorter case. There's not a lot of articles written about it. But today we're covering the true crime story of movie theater manager Sells Blow from 2020. And the manager, criminal in this matter, is Jamie Lynn Heinecker. Yeah, selling blow in the popcorn. Like that was the way that she would sell it, I guess, is you maybe give a special password when you order popcorn. Like, hey, I'll take an extra, extra large. And you're like, oh, okay. (laughs) And then you slip them the cash. And then they put the cocaine in a bag. And then they put the bag at the bottom of the popcorn. I guess that was her scheme there. That's exactly what her scheme was. You got to give her the wink, I guess. But the article headlines read, a Minnesota movie theater manager sold cocaine in bags of popcorn at the cinema. Sal, this headline would probably drive certain people to visit said cinema. (laughs) And what movies were playing at the time? I wonder, were they like doing a Scarface marathon at this time? That would have been great. Yeah, this obviously was not in Los Angeles because movie theaters, I... Don't even know if they're open yet, or maybe most recently. But this is last July when this case actually happened, although it just became news to us most recently. But I guess across the country, certain places opened up faster than others and movie theaters were open. Now, Sal, when was the last time you actually went to a movie theater? You know, I have a lot of emotional uh, entanglement when it comes to movie theaters because for years, my girlfriend and I were able to go to the movie theater for free. We had the ultimate golden ticket, Mm. unlimited usage for Party of Two to AMC movie theaters. So we were able to go to movie theaters. How did you get that? Well, my girlfriend was involved in some parties, some events. And Mm -hmm. as a result of doing those events uh, with catering, she was able to get a gift bag. And in the gift bag was the golden ticket. Cocaine. (laughs) Cocaine and an AMC (laughs) golden ticket. I'm telling you, this movie theater ticket, we would present it at the box office. And even the workers would say, where the hell did you get this ticket? It was for Party of Two, unlimited movie viewing for a year. And we had this card for about three years running. That being said, the last- Oh, you got a new one every year? Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, a new one every year because the party would happen every year. The event happened every year. So we would have a new card every year. That being said, though, I don't think it's been over a year- since I've been to a movie theater, there's been a lot of shutdowns, more shutdowns than a lot of the other areas in the nation in Los Angeles over the last year. And we lost Arclight not that long ago, which is completely sad. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't believe they're gone and they're not coming back. Now, someone will probably take over their establishments, but that was my favorite chain. Especially and, the one in Hollywood, the original. And Cinerama Dome, I believe, as well. Yeah, as- that's the original. So someone hopefully will come in and take that maybe an AMC, a Cinemark, or maybe the independent outfit. But yeah, that's pretty sad. I remember the summer of 2019 seeing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I saw that twice in the theater, my favorite movie of the year, and my second favorite movie, Parasite. And that was probably one of the last films I saw prior to the shutdown. But I did go to a movie several weeks ago. It was great to go back. I saw Nobody with Bob Odenkirk. A lot of fun, but it was like six people in the theater, super spread out. So You can do that. Of course, that was in Pennsylvania. So I was visiting. So 
Yeah, it's sad. The things we took for granted. Now, on the whole movie pass thing, let me just chime in on that because kudos to you and Lisa for having the hookup at AMC. But I used to get the same kind of hookup from the Los Feliz 3 and the Vista because of my affiliation to the film festival and renting those theaters out for so long. I got a pass that was never ending. If it was like three years and they give me a new one, I could go to any movie, take a guest, and free concessions. Wow. I think that even supersedes my past. Cause, <laughs> no, we, we did not get concessions or cocaine. We got neither. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got none of the latter, but it was a great hookup. But at the same time, we injected a lot into the theater because of the festival for so long and the connection, the relationship. But I remember going to see some of these, like when Borat came out and right. it was a sellout crowd at the Vista. Yeah. And I came up there with my pass thinking, well, they're not going to let us in this time. Sure. And they literally got me two chairs, like two VIP chairs. They just went and got these chairs, nice. stuck them in the back of the theater. And I was able to see that. <laughs> so that was like super V. And they brought me popcorn and drink to me nice. in the seat. So that was big time that night. You had a lot of history with the Los Feliz 3 and the Vista with the yes. LA United Film Festival, of which I was honored to be host moderator for many years. Yeah. You had a relationship with them. Yeah. We brought four different people or five different people to do the handprints in front of the Vista. So yeah, good connection. I can't wait to get back there when things reopen. And this case is also near and dear to my heart because... In high school, I worked at a movie theater, the Annex 7. It was a United Artist Theater. And then in college, I worked for the Carmike Cinemas, and I went from selling popcorn and drinks to managing. So I have always been around a movie theater. So I read this and was like, oh my God, this is hilarious. So we'll dive into this episode, which I think is a very unique episode. And Sal, probably not the first time this has taken place, but at least the first time I've heard about it. Yeah, I've never heard of anything like this at a movie theater. My favorite movie theater story, aside from my own golden ticket and we us going to the movie theater for free, was my friend Mario, my lifelong best friend, met his wife at the movie theater. They were both working at the movie theater, nice. working concessions, working the booth, I don't know, you know, working there as staff. Yeah. They meet there, fall in love, start dating, and then quit on the same day and go on a nationwide road trip. It, to me, it's a very romantic tale. They're still together? Yeah. Still married to this day with three oh, children. Wonderful. So, you ready to jump into this episode? I'm ready to talk about Jamie Lynn and her unfortunate case. Okay. Jamie Lynn Heinecker, 39 years old, was named in a criminal complaint charging her with narcotic sales. Heinecker is, was probably more appropriate, the general manager of the four-screen Spotlight Theaters in Mankato, which is about 80 miles from Minneapolis. Now, Sal, I've actually been to Mankato on one of my trips to Minnesota, and I went there one time and saw the Minnesota Vikings training camp. Not that I'm a Minnesota Vikings fan, but I was in town and I'm a big NFL guy, so I popped by. And it was a lot of fun, first of all, to see them practice up close and personal. But Mankato is a very small town. This is the kind of thing you want to do in a more populated town, <laughs> I would think. You don't want to stand out when you're doing stuff like this. You want to be no. very low pro. Jason, let me just say this. The reason I'm very upset about this is because... The penalty for drug sales can be very severe. Oh, yeah. In this instance, Jamie Lynn can face 
a 20-year prison term. And the reason that upsets me is because if I were to go out right now onto the street with a hammer and hit a stranger over the head with a hammer, I would not get 20 years. And yet this person would get 20 years potentially. So drugs are illegal. You got to pay the penalty. Fine. But I do think the penalties for drug sales and use are incredibly severe. I agree with that. I absolutely do. It's just the way it is, and it's the way it's been for quite some time. It's a harsher punishment for drugs over violent crimes. Absolutely. You know what? That's just the way it is. Some things will never change. Jason, a little Bruce Hornsby there for you. I appreciate that. Any chance to work in a little karaoke, Sal? I sneak in karaoke whenever I'm talking to somebody, you, other people, online, offline, I'm sneaking in karaoke. There we go. Fair enough. So now, back to the story. Heineker was the target of a Minnesota River Valley Drug Task Force. I like that acronym, Sal. M-R-V-D-T-F. And she was part of this probe. And according to a probable cause affidavit, which I guess you have to file, Sal, when these things kind of go into motion. In fact, I saw the affidavit and shared it with you. So there's some actual intel on that. I never seen one of those before, so that was kind of cool. So an investigator reported that he knew through previous investigations that Heinecker worked at a movie theater and the sale of cocaine typically took place behind the theater in an alley or at the theater in a popcorn container with popcorn. So they had the CI go in. And so, yeah, what's your intel on a confidential informant? <laughs> it's a snitch. Did they turn them? It's a snitch. Is it some, it's a snitch, right? Yeah, it's exactly <laughs> right, right? I mean, here's the problem with selling drugs. So I've heard. You sell somebody drugs in good faith. They give you the money. They take the drugs. They go about their life. You go about yours. But the problem is they get busted. And then the cops will give them a plea bargain deal. Hey, you tell us where you got the drugs and we'll go easy on you with your punishment. So the problem is that, you know, if you're trying to make an honest living selling cocaine (laughs) and then someone's going to get busted and then it's going to come back to haunt you. Exactly. Maybe they gave the same deal to Heineker, but who knows? It's not in the story. Hang on, Jason. That brings up another good point. They go to Heineker. Where did you get your cocaine from? And then she can then- Sourcing it from somewhere else. she can then turn on the person above her. So unfortunately, there's a lot of turncoats when it comes to drug sales. Yeah. So in a phone call with Heineker last year, a confidential informant, as we were talking about, arranged for the purchase of $100 worth of cocaine, so says the affidavit. Now, I don't know cocaine that well, Sal, (laughs) but that seems really inexpensive. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How much cocaine are you going to get for $100? I don't know. I'm not experienced with cocaine allegedly tried it a few times in my uh, teens and 20s. It never really stuck with me. I thought it wasn't worth the price for, you know, how much you got to pay for what you get. It wasn't worth it to me. But I don't think $100 is going to get you that much. Maybe if you have like a long pinky nail, maybe enough to fill the pinky nail. Hey, I saw the movie Below with Johnny Depp. They were making bank, but it wasn't on $100 worth of sales. But anyway, so after conducting the buy at the theater, which is in the Mankato Place Mall, which unfortunately, Sal, did not visit that establishment, but the informant told cops that they entered the mall and Heinecker put the cocaine in a popcorn bag. Popcorn was then placed in the bag. Now, do you think butter was in there too? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. No butter. Wink, like wink. <laughs> but you know what I think they could have done also is like maybe sprinkle the cocaine as though it were salt over the popcorn, you know, try to hide it, 
You can just say, hey, I thought I was just pouring salt on the popcorn. I didn't know I was pouring yeah, cocaine. It's going to be hard to then digest <laughs> that cocaine. No, you just eat the popcorn. And holy cow, this is the greatest popcorn. Do you get the same buzz from eating cocaine? I don't know. No. Well, hang on. We just watched American Gigolo and our hero, Richard Gere, takes a little bit of that cocaine on his yes. finger and puts it on his gums. So you can ingest it orally. It's not just about snorting it. I Some, think it's so- a different sensation though. And cops always do it in movies where they're just checking like, yeah, this is legit cocaine. But I they think there's something it. that has to be snorted or smoked to really get the impact. So I don't think they want it sprinkled on their popcorn per se. But anyway, so I don't think she put butter in this particular bag. And I'd like to know how long this went on. There's a lot missing from this article because yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just this little thing. I looked on a few websites and it was kind of the same information, but I figured it was timely and somewhat relevant to our past in movie theaters oh, yeah. and fun to cover. So I like that she was the manager. I think that's yeah, one of the, the general manager. Yeah, that's so it's she wasn't just an underling, she wasn't only working the popcorn. She was the general manager. So yeah, nobody was checking her bag when she left the theater at night. No. So the informant churned the popcorn bag over to the police who say that the cocaine Heinecker sold on July 21st, 2020, weighed 0.406 grams. Is that a lot? Yeah, I don't know when it comes to coke. I know when it comes to weed, I think. (laughs) 3.5 grams is an eighth of an ounce, 3.5. So this is like way less than that. This is 0.406. So this is not even a gram. It's $100 worth. Yeah. You see what I mean? You see why I never got into this drug when I was offered it in my youth, tried it for free a few times, thought, how much of this stuff? How long does it last? Forget it. It's not worth it. Exactly. Yeah. I really am curious on that. And also curious that, like I just mentioned, how long it went on. I mean, when you are managing a movie theater, which I have done, there is a lot of leeway. I mean, you're busy. You have these downtimes in between movies. Your staff, they're either high school kids or college kids. Their focus is elsewhere. A lot of times, much like your story about Mario and finding true love, a lot of that's going on from having done it in high school and even college before I became a manager. All the staff is hanging out, their buddies, or they're dating, or they're planning what they're doing later, or they're going to go see a movie. So yeah, I could see how Jamie Lynn just said, hey, you know what? I could run this operation on the side here. Very easy to do. But unfortunately, Sal, she got popped. Yeah. Well, one of the problems is she did this at work. Now, let me tell you this, Jason. Let me share this with you and our listeners. Allegedly, in my early 20s, (laughs) allegedly, I used to work at a gym. I also sold weed on the side. Sal, that's a crime. Uh, I say allegedly. This could be- Oh, oh, yeah, sorry. This this, this could be fabricated. So people would page me. Remember paging, anybody? Oh, my gosh. So people would page me. I would not have them come to the gym. I would walk across the parking lot to the 99 cent store, and I would meet them in the 99 cent store. For all they knew, I worked at the 99 cent store. And we do our little transaction there in the aisle of the 99 cent store. They would take off. And then I would walk across the parking lot back to my workplace. So you cannot do this stuff where you work. You got to do it near where you work, but not at where you work. That's interesting. And I hear that allegedly the people at the 99 cent store thought you worked there as well because <laughs> you were there so much frequently like, in no, the aisles. You know what it was? <laughs> this guy buys a lot of gum. He's yeah, always, that's true. He's here every day buying gum. It always brings a different friend. (laughs) So taking a page out of your own playbook, Sal, Jamie Lynn Heinecker actually did a lot of these transactions in the alley. 
So she was thinking that way, but I guess if they said, hey, do you want to see that movie? Do you want to see Half-Baked? Sure. And then they would come in and then someone said, I just throw it in the bag. Like it probably just was like circumstance that led to this idea of the popcorn bag hiding. But at the same time, if this thing grew over time, she could have had the small bag ready, the medium bag ready, the big tub ready, and you know, different tiers for her buying. But a general manager is not usually behind the counter slinging yeah. the corn. So there's That's that. Like, oh, wow, yeah. what's Jamie Lynn doing back here today? For a general manager, Jamie Lynn sure does like to pass out popcorn. I, <laughs> yeah. I've never seen a general manager who liked to do that. Yeah, I know. Wow, it really has good technique. So for getting busted, Jamie Lynn, like you said earlier, this is a felony drug count, and she does face a maximum 20-year prison sentence and fine up to $250,000 for a $100 cocaine transaction sale. Let me tell you something, Jason. I'm a big fan of the punishment should fit the crime. So when you look at a situation like this, she should have to do that thing. You remember in A Clockwork Orange where they had- Ooh, yes. They opened Kept up his, his eyes. eyes open. Yes. She should have to like watch her least favorite movie like on repeat for days and days. You know what I mean? Give her a punishment, but come on. Does she need to go to federal prison? Give me a break. You know, she's a movie theater manager. Make her watch her least favorite movie over and over and over again. Or hey, how about have her watch some after school specials over and over again that talk about the evils of drug use. Brought to you by DARE, you know, Drug Abuse Resistance Education. Yeah. I mean, come on, just throwing her in prison for something like this? No, I'm not a fan of that. I'm not either, Sal, but here's what's working against her. According to court records, Heineker has previously been convicted of obstruction, theft, malicious punishment of a child, a DWI, and drug possession. Yeah, she's got a rap sheet. Yeah, that's unfortunate. So it wasn't her first offense. And they take that no. into consideration. If you get busted for drug sales and that's all they got on you, that's one thing. But if you have history, you got a rap sheet, you maybe have seen the judge before. Yeah, they're yeah. going to throw the book at you. Yeah, this is not a good situation for her. So unfortunately for us and our listeners, we don't know the verdict yet. This is such a newer case that there's no more information yet. So perhaps we will enlighten everyone when we hear more in a future episode of That's a Crime. But yeah, I never thought to do this in all my years in the movie theater business. And I'm glad I didn't, Sal. I stayed clean and clear of such choices. Hang on a second, Jason. You're telling me that you managed a movie theater and you never let friends in for free through the back door? Is that a crime? <laughs> That's a crime. <laughs> Actually, since I was the manager, I had the keys and we went in through the front door. So. Nice. VIP treatment. When I was at the theater, this was pre-digital projectors. We had the reels and we had to build the movies up. They would come in these canisters and you had to kind of assemble the film. Yeah. And one of the rules was from the top, I was not the GM. I was just a manager. Before that, I was just a concessions or a doorman for a while, but- you had to build the film, the doorman would put the film together, and someone had to watch it to make sure the reels were in the right order mm -hmm. and the cues were all set. Nice. So yeah. a lot of times when the movies like Train Spotting had come out, my friends wanted to see it, we all went up, watched it. Or when the original Star Wars was re-released yeah. in the theater, like with a special edition. So we all went there and did that. And these movies would start after the last movie of the night let out. So we're talking like midnight movies. Yes. But yeah, that access was incredible. I had an amazing time. Even in the one in high school, 
movies like Rain Man were coming out and I would get asked to, hey, do you want to come up? The staff's watching the movie at midnight and I would see it. And it was just so cool. So yeah, there's something, you know, really amazing about a movie theater, especially a theater style that has hardly anyone in it. Because when you're just there for a few friends, you guys can spread out. So it's like a private screening. Those are the best. Well, you know, all my life when I would sit in a movie theater, and I'm serious, all my life I've done this. Every time I'm in a movie theater, I would always look up and look back, look up at the projection room. I'd always think to myself, what's going on up there? Who's up there? Like, is there something happening up there? I'd like to know about it, you know? So, did you see some hijinks happen in the projection room? No, not really in the projection room. It's really calm up there, too, because you would have the old, like, and it was loud enough, and you could turn up the volume on the projector, so you could also get little speakers up there. You could hear the movie. I really like the projection room. Even ones I visit now, it's a lot quieter with the digital projectors. But when we were running the film festival, the United Film Festivals, I was always up in the booth. You know, we brought in our own projectors because it was all digital. We were like playing short films on DVDs or screening it from video files and no hijinks up there. But I will say there was a lot of hijinks happening just at the theater. I mean, one night we were showing this Sharon Stone movie, Diabolique, and I wasn't there, but the staff came running in and told one of the other managers that we went to go check on the movie. Cause you know, you're supposed to go check on the theater every so often, like sure. make sure it's running properly. The temperature is good. And yeah. they looked in there and there was only one person and he was buck naked. <laughs> he went into the theater. Now that's a crime. He went into the theater, got naked. That was his thing. Yeah, I remember them telling us about this. After they discovered this, they ran back out, told the manager, they all went down there, flipped on the lights, and he went behind the screen and hid. <laughs> Literally behind the screen. And he went out through an exit door and got away. Not Wait, that they were going to do anything. But... Was the air conditioner broke? I mean, why, why is this guy <laughs> yeah, doing this? Yeah, exactly. It was 100 degrees in there. And he's just trying to watch Sharon Stone on the big screen. I don't know. He would actually come back to the movie theater and people would be like, that's the guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty uh, funny. That's great. That's great. Now, listen, I'm no prude, Jason. I just hope he put a towel down. That's all I hope. Yeah, I wouldn't want to sit in that particular seat. <laughs> this is way before assigned seating. So, well, folks, that really covers the Jamie Lynn Heinecker story, the movie theater manager who sold cocaine and popcorn bags. And yeah, I mean, this show, Sal, we like to cover everything from a misdemeanor to a murder, and this fits right in the middle. You know what I'm going to do, Jason? Next time I go to the movies, to honor Jamie Lynn Heinecker, I'm going to say, hi, I would like a large popcorn with extra salt, wink, wink, and see what happens. (laughs) Yeah, you probably just get extra salt. (laughs) Or they'll probably say the salt's on the back counter over there. Yeah, yeah, put it on yourself. Well, Sal, it's been another enjoyable true crime story. I've had a lot of fun for our first four episodes as well. We had D.B. Cooper, the famous hijack heist of 1971. We had the Baylor Bears basketball murder of 2003 with Mm -hmm. Carlton Dotson and the very sad, unfortunate murder of Patrick Dennehy. Then we had Dana Plato from Different Strokes. And we covered her... Famous video store robbery in 1991, as well as just kind of a whole biography on her because she was so near and dear to all of our hearts for playing Kimberly Drummond Mm -hmm. on Different Strokes. And then we covered Salim Kara, who was the famous coin thief that stole 
$2.4 million in Edmonton over the course of many years. So obviously you can kind of see where we really are. We're in that range. We're from misdemeanors to murders and we have so many fun things lined up, but this was a lot of fun. Yeah, I had a good time. And I just want to say, uh, Jamie Lynn, if you are listening, I hope that they go easy on you. You know, I really, I mean, since we're talking, you know, I wouldn't mind if they decriminalized a lot of cases like this. But anyway, I hope you're okay wherever you are. And I hope that you're uh, living your best life. And I know you're being awfully kind, uh, Miss Heineker, but I got to say her track record leads me to believe that if it wasn't this time, she probably was going to wind up back in front of that judge. Yeah, yeah. She's a repeat offender. So thank you so much for listening and please be sure to subscribe to That's a Crime wherever you get your podcast. You can also really help us by giving the show a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And for all you listeners that enjoy sharing your thoughts, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, send us a direct message, or post a comment on our social media, which is at Just Curious Media. We also highly recommend checking out our other podcast and visiting JustCuriousMedia.com.